Hallelujah. Thank you, Lord. Father, as we look to your word, I thank you for what a wonderful spirit of love in the house of God today. Lord, let every person, whether this is their first time back or whether this is their 20th time back, let them feel the love of God all over them today. Lord, let, us, let them know that they're needed, that they're important and they're special, that their supply is valuable, that they are a living stone making up this wall called the local church of promise of life. And without them, they would be a whole. And Lord, I thank you that they would just feel your arms wrap around them and your deep love for them today. Lord, I thank you that we're making, that, that we've made this turn and that now, Father, we're, I believe our church is going to grow and, and increase in momentum and strength because we had to make that turn. Father, when you go around a turn with a car, you don't accelerate necessarily until you've made that turn, then you hit the gas. And I thank you, Lord, that now we've made that turn in the spirit. I thank you, Lord, that momentum and acceleration now begins to increase. And I thank you that giving increases and serving increases and attendance increases and prayer increases and new people coming and new people being born again and new people being filled with the Holy Ghost. And Lord, I thank you that new membership is added. Lord, we've, we haven't had any new members for over a year. But Lord, I thank you that in the last two weeks, we've already had three people join the church. Lord, I thank you for new membership that is going to grow. I thank you that the hungry ones will occupy the seats. And those that aren't hungry, Father, they may lose their seats because the hungry ones are coming. And I thank you they're already showing up and we already have a good, strong base of hungry ones from pre-COVID. So we thank you, Father, in Jesus' name. I curse that fourth wave in Jesus' name. And I declare that you will not you will not assault. You, you, are, you are designed to destroy the body of Christ and to hinder the church. But the church rises up in authority against you and says, no, you don't in Jesus' name. Father, I thank you. I thank you for the freedom that we have in the realm of the spirit and the realm of the natural. I thank you that things are turning. Give our great leaders, Lord, wisdom, whether we agree with everything they do and say or not. Lord, they're still our leaders and you told us to honor them and you told us to pray for them, that we would have a peaceable and godly life. And Father, I thank you for peace and godliness to reign in this country and with our rights as believers. In Jesus' mighty name, we give you praise for it. And we thank you that even political things are turning. Hallelujah. Even political things are turning. They're turning. They're turning. Oh, the devil doesn't know that the, when the church rises up in their righteous might with their dominion and then the they, when they pray, oh, nothing is impossible to them that believe. Lord, I thank you that things are turning. In Jesus' name, things are turning. Hallelujah. We give you glory and we give you praise. Hallelujah. In Jesus' name. In Jesus' name. Hallelujah, in Jesus' name, it's turning. I give you praise for it. In our nation, it's turning. In our, in our political offices, in the House of Commons, in the Senate, it's turning. In the High Supreme Court, it's turning. In Jesus' name, in Jesus' name, hallelujah. You know, I don't know if it was Redeemer. I think it's called Redeemer. I can't remember. But one of the universities, uh, they didn't want to sign the form. The government said, you have to believe in homosexuality or we won't give you the summer jobs program. And they denied them, I think, for two years or whatever. It's been three years. And it went, they took, thank God for some Christians with guts, man. And they went to the Supreme Court. And just two weeks ago, the Supreme Court made a decision. And they ruled in favor of the church. This was a massive precedent-setting decision where the Supreme Court said the government is not allowed to dictate to you your beliefs. And if you don't believe in homosexuality, you don't have to sign that form. That's the spirit. That's the essence of it. That's not what they said, but that's the essence of it, that, that we are a right to, as, a, as a church, we're a right to have a right to believe what we believe. That's right. And they cannot infringe and then, and then, and then go what's a, segregate us and, and, and persecute us because our belief is different to their belief, that we have a right as Canadian citizens to certain things. That is a massive destabilizing move to the devil. 
because now future court cases will go back to that precedent-setting case. So that's why our prayers matter when we're dealing with Supreme Court decisions, when we're praying for things, because this is what we need. We need people with guts. We need, we need Christian ministries with money because it takes a lot of money for legal expenses. And we need people that just stand up and say, no, you don't. No, you don't. You're not running over us in Canada. No, you don't. Now, there's a natural side with lawyers and judges, but there's a spiritual side of evil spirits influencing them against the church and then angels coming and causing that, that change that we need and influencing them for God. We're already seeing things starting to turn. Praise God. No one person can take credit for it. Everybody is doing their part. But I'm telling you, prayer is just as important as hiring the lawyer. Prayer gets things done that lawyers can't do. Angels influence people that, ain't, that people can't influence. Praise God for the Holy Ghost. Amen. Well, today, turn with me to Joshua chapter 1. I'm going to continue our, our series, which is not a series. This is the last part. Promises for Conquest, a two-part series that we started last Sunday, and I want to continue it today. Joshua chapter 1, very famous scriptures, but read them with me. Joshua chapter 1, I'm going to read them again in order that the Lord told me on September the 1st, 2017. He came in my bedroom. I didn't see him, but I knew he was there. It was a very dramatic and holy experience. I'll never forget it. It branded me. And he told me five things and then gave me these five verses to match what he said. The first thing he said is, have not I commanded thee, verse 9 of Joshua 1, be strong and of good courage, be not afraid, neither be thou dismayed. For the Lord thy God is with thee whithersoever thou goest. You know what the word dismayed means in the Hebrew? To have a breakdown. Don't have a breakdown. People that have breakdowns, they shouldn't, if they're full of the Holy Ghost, you'll never have a breakdown. The devil can work on you where you feel like you want to have a breakdown or you need to have a breakdown, but you don't have to. He says, have not I commanded thee? And the Lord said to me, because I was hurting and people and things and problems, and, and, and I was looking at all the stuff, and he said, I told you to do this. In other words, if I've told you to do it, it's going to work because it didn't originate in you. It originated in me. And then he went over here. If you go up, please. Um, praise the Lord. If you go up here to verse number six, for be strong and of a good courage for unto this people shalt thou divide for an inheritance the land, which I swear unto thy fathers to give them. And in the New Living and in other translations, there's an emphasis in the Hebrew on the word thou or you. And even in the New Living, it says, be strong and of a good courage for Unto this people shalt thou, and then there's a hyphen, and it says, yes, shalt thou divide the land. There's an emphasis on you. Verse 9 is an emphasis on I have asked you to do this. And verse 6 is an emphasis on I've asked you to do this. Both say be strong and have a good courage. But you have to know the origin point of who asked you to do it. Because if you're authoring it yourself, it will fail. Because the power of God's not with you. Your flesh is with you. That's right. That's why some churches have to do rigmaroles all the time. They have to sell TVs and do draws and do fog machines. And it's a machine. Why? They need the machine to work because the power of God is not drawing people and keeping people and, and, and validating them. So they need all this natural stuff to validate and to try to entice people to come. We don't do that here because that's not the New Testament way. That's not the New Testament doctrine. The word is what draws you to come, not the, not the stuff. Nothing wrong with having a few things here or there, but we're not doing this as an enticement. It's the word that has to entice you, for lack of a better word. The word has to draw you. And so he said to me, I've asked you to do this and I've asked you to do this. So don't put it off on somebody else. Because I was saying, Lord, to give the church to somebody else. I don't want to do this anymore. I'm tired. The, the people don't, that just, I'm tired. And then sometimes the devil wants to, you to focus on the three people that hate you instead of the 300 and something people that love you. That's what he does, doesn't he? 
He wants, you to, he wants you to focus on at work, the one person that's picking on you, although there's 30 people that like you. But he'll just keep reminding you of the one person that's got a slide against you. And sometimes you have to remind yourself, there might be some problems, but there's more good than bad. <laughs> Praise God. And so he likes to try to remind us in the ministry to hurt us of the one or the two or the three. But, but he doesn't want to talk about all the other people that are honorable. No, the other people that are loyal and faithful and that love God and are hungry for revival. He don't want to talk about them because he knows that'll encourage me. So he'll talk about the ones that are doing the opposite of that. So, and I was meditating wrongfully. And he said, I've asked you because I was trying to push it off on somebody else. Maybe I'll give the church away. And he said, I've asked you to do this. I've asked you and I've asked you. So be quiet and do it. Stop whining. He's looking for warriors. He's not looking for wimps. And then he gave me uh, verse eight as the next one. Number three, this book of the law shall not depart out of your mouth, but thou shalt meditate therein day and night that thou mayest observe to do or obey according to all that is written therein. For then thou shalt make thy way prosperous and then thou shalt have good success. You want prosperity? You got to get in the word. It's not about self-help, although self-help things are good. It's not about going to conferences, although they can help. But God's recipe for prosperity and success is getting the word. Okay, so he, number three, he emphasized you... I'm telling you, there was two parts, two instructions, and then there's two conditions, and then there's a promise, five things. The two parts were, I've asked you, and I've asked you. So stop whining about it and trying to pass it off. Then the next thing were two conditions. If you'll put the word in you, if you'll famish after the word, you're going to succeed. And then the next one, which was also an instruction is verse seven, only be thou strong and very courageous that thou mayest observe to do according to all the law, which Moses, my servant commanded thee. Your spiritual father commanded you to do some things in line with my word. Stay with your spiritual father and turn not to the, from it or from him to the left or to the right hand that you may prosper wherever you go. And the Lord said, the second you get into the word, which obviously means the spirit as well, word and prayer. And he says, and you stay close to who I've put over you. Don't get arrogant and proud and think that you're a lone, lone ranger and, a, and you're the alpha male and you can do this because you got success and you have a little bit of a gift here, or a little bit of an ability there. Right. He said, because your success like Joshua hinges on you being faithful to your man of God. Yes, do you understand? People don't understand this, and that's why their ministries don't go forth in the earth. Even Christians don't understand this, and that's why their lives and their prosperity and their businesses and their ideas don't go forth in the earth, because the centurion gave us the key. I'm a man under authority and having soldiers under me. You don't have authority if you're not under authority. Things don't work right underneath you if things aren't working right above you. There's got to be somebody above you. This is God's system. And when Lucifer tried to change that system, he got the boot. He, did. he tried to say, nobody should be above me. I'm the boss. I'm, look how beautiful I am. Look how smart I am. In fact, I'm even better than you. In fact, I want that throne. In fact, I'm going to kill you for it. And God said, enough. And he's gone. You see, he, he, he bucked against authority. When you buck against authority, you're dangerous. So you buck against authority at work, they fire you. If you buck against authority with God, you're going to have trouble in your life. If you buck against authority in the local church, God will give you mercy for a season and then he'll kick you out. Either you'll get offended and leave, which, will, which is actually uh, maybe a relief to me, or, or I'll have to kick you out. But God is looking for people that submit to authority. And he told me, you want to succeed, son? First of all, stop whining. I asked you to do this and I asked you to do this, so stop trying to push it off on somebody else. And then he said, now there's two conditions. You get in the word, which would include the spirit, because he said, if you meditate there in day and night and speak it, when you're speaking the word, that's part of prayer. Not just a confession, it's talking to God about what he said. 
So it's the Word and the Spirit. If you'll get into the Word and you have a strong prayer life and you stay close to your spiritual parents in submission, not to the left or to the right, stay with them. When Reverend Jerry tells you that you've done something that he didn't like and that was inappropriate, say, yes, sir. Don't say, well, you know. <laughs> Pastor Nancy's corrected me. Dr. Dufresne was the most aggressive. He would correct me frequently about many things, but I loved his correction, even though he scared the willies out of me sometimes when he looked at me and I knew something bad was about to happen. And sure enough, he said, now God showed me this about you. Oh, God. I heard what you said there in the offering. I didn't like that. That's the wrong spirit. Yeah. He would do that frequently with me because I was in a training mode in the early years of this church. And I had to get some things right. And even still, Pastor Nancy, she talks to me about certain things yes. from time to time. There's less now because I'm more mature, but that doesn't mean I'm less humble. Right. And I tell pastors sometimes, why haven't you rebuked me lately? I do. I'm waiting for a rebuke. Because if you love me, you're going to correct me. So I'm not perfect. Why, why aren't you rebuking me? I asked her that once because she hadn't rebuked me in a while. And I felt kind of like a child that needs to be rebuked. I know that sounds oxymoronic, but it's not. Because there's a love when you're corrected. You know they love you. And I said, why aren't you correcting me on certain things? Because I know I'm not perfect. And she gave me such a masterful answer. She says, Pastor, I only correct you if God tells me to. And I said, so he's not telling you? I said, why is he not telling you? He said, because he's telling you. That really helped me. He's telling you. In other words, she said, if I ever have to say something to you, it means you weren't listening to him. So rejoice that I don't tell you something. Because you're hearing it directly from the master and you're listening to the master and he's pleased with your humility and your spirituality. Jesus says, come unto me and learn, learn, be teachable, learn of me for I am meek and lowly. I'm humble of heart. You got to have a humble heart to learn. Think you know everything you can't learn. Your cup's already full. You need to come to God with an empty cup so he can fill it. Not when you're so smart that you know everything. And so I re that really helped me. She's not rebuking me because God's rebuking me. And believe me, he does. And he'll never stop because he's God. And if she has to say something, it means I didn't listen. So it's actually a failure for her to tell me something. I didn't realize that at first. I thought it was just, you know, because I didn't know how to hear God as clearly as I do now. So God had to use her because I wasn't picking things up. Do you understand? But now I'm picking things up more. She'll still do it occasionally only if I've dropped the ball. Amen. So that's why you come to church so that God directly in your heart through the word can correct you. We're not here to please you and placate you and rub your fur the right way. If it's rubbing the wrong way, the rubber isn't going to change. You be the cat and turn around. Because when you rub the fur the wrong way, if the animal just turns around, now the rub fur is being rubbed the right way. But the person's not going to turn around. It's the cat that turns around. So if things are rubbing you the wrong way, it just shows you that you need to make an adjustment. But do it privately. God's dealing with you privately through the message. He doesn't need me to call you out. He doesn't need you to, to me to talk to you in private and correct you privately because the word, the word renews our mind and corrects us. The word does a work in us corporately. You don't need, it's better that you don't get a private correction because the word and your prayer life, when you're at home waiting on God, he'll show you things. When you're in church and it's corporate, he'll show you things. Now, if you're not listening, 
then eventually there'll be either a calling out publicly, which can be embarrassing, but it's your own fault because God only did that because you wouldn't listen. And usually even before he proceeds that, he'll talk to you in the privacy of the green room through your pastor or through somebody else and say, what are you doing? And if you still don't listen, sometimes he'll do it publicly. But if that happens, it means you drop the ball because he doesn't ever want to have to do it privately through somebody one-on-one. He wants you to get it in your prayer closet, in your own study of the Bible, and he wants you to get it in the corporate services. Because then it's not embarrassing, it's very private, and whatever adjustments you need to make, nobody knows but you. Praise God. You don't know how many people have said, Pastor, you know when you said that? And I thought, yeah, but I don't even know why I said that. It wasn't in my notes. I don't know. That's called the gift of prophecy, spontaneous inspired utterance. And they said that one little three words, five words, seven words, uh, uh, that, that totally turned in this entire situation in my life. I was wondering what to do, and I got that answer. See, I, why do I have to have a... In fact, one person recently said, I'm canceling the counseling appointment. I thought they were offended. And I said, Sue, why did they cancel the counseling appointment? And she said the most sweet words a pastor's ever heard in his life. I got my answer in the service. I don't need to take extra time. Never has sweeter words, Pastor Happy, been spoken. Then I've got my answer in the service and I don't need the extra time because I listened and I heard my answer. If you listen, there's an answer. Before you set the counseling appointment, just listen for a month. Every service, eight services, including prayer meetings. Just listen intently, and I promise you, you'll get your answer. Whether I know your problem or not, the Holy Ghost knows it. And if he doesn't use me, he'll talk to you in your prayer closet. And only if you've exhausted all those and you still don't know what to do, which does happen from time to time, and that's okay because we're human, then book the appointment. But wait and listen for a while and pray for a while before you take the time and my time and everybody else's time and having to book time off work. Just wait because the Holy Ghost wants to teach you how he, he, he wants to show you how he can lead you personally. Amen. Hallelujah. That's called growing up spiritually. And so he said, one, I've told you, two, I've told you, three, get in my word, four, stay under submission to authority, and then five, which we focused a lot on last week, but we won't this week, is there shall not any man, verse five, be able to stand before thee all the days of thy life. As I was with Moses, so I will be with thee. I will not fail thee. That means to lessen the grip. And I will not forsake thee means to let it go completely. I'm not going to let you go. And I always thought, well, you know, Dr. Dr. Sumrall's word from Isaiah 41.10, you know, anybody that stands against you will die. I always thought that was a cooler word, you know, because he actually said they die and that's like aggressive and don't mess with me. God kill you, that kind of thing. That's just carnality and flesh speaking. But, but, I, but, but I, I, I said that years ago, not recently. And anyway, he said, now no man will be able to stand before you. Well, that, that's, that's nice, but it's not as powerful. It's not that I'm going to kill him, you know, kind of thing. I want a little bit more aggressive there. And the Lord said, no, no, son, if you look at that, uh, that that's not the only thing that it says there is as I was with Moses and he said now what happened look up every situation where people withstood Moses now remember he only said that to me last Sunday morning about half an hour before I left the house so I didn't have a lot of time to look it up so I looked up and I found three political Pharaoh Jambres and Yanis and Yambres which were which 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 were warlocks and witchcraft they withstood him and they all had a bad end and then Korah the rebellious Christians so to speak they withstood him and so that's the only three I could find so that's why I said that's the three categories. But when I got in the car, the Lord said, that's not the only, that's not the only three categories. There's another category that you missed. I said, there's four categories? He said, yes. And he took me to the scripture where they were fighting against the Amorites or whatever they were. And Moses had to have his hands lifted up by Aaron and Hur. And as long as his hands were lifted, uh, Joshua had victory. Yeah. Right, right. And the Lord said, those people weren't political. Those people weren't witches. And those people weren't part of the children of Israel. They were just other tribes. And the Lord said, the fourth category is any sinner out there that tries to withstand you. They don't have to be political. They don't have to be in witchcraft and they don't have to be in the church. Any person, any person 
that tries to stop what, what you're doing. That's the fourth category. It's general sinners. It's that, a general category of anyone that tries to stop. So there's really four. And he said, they're not going to stand against you because the anointing, it's not because I'm special, it's because the anointing and the call of God won't be stopped. That's right. Amen. Now, that, anybody can claim this verse for themselves by faith, but it's different when Jesus shows up and tells it to you. Yeah. When he shows up and tells it to you, it's different. You can take that to the bank. What I was trying to say last week under the anointing is because that uh, anointing is here to cause us to go forth and to not be withstood by demons or by people that that anointing comes down Aaron's beard and goes to his skirts. That anointing is on you. And if you'll lay hold of it, and if you'll stay in unity, and if you'll follow the Spirit of God, you have a right to say, Father, no man will be able to withstand me all the days of my life because I'm under that anointing. And if you said that to him, I'm part of this church. That means nothing can stand against my business. That means nothing can stand against my health. That means my children, nothing is going to pull them away, and they're going to become rebellious people that serve the devil. Nothing is going to be able to withstand me all the days of my life. Nothing of the demonic realm, nothing of the political realm, nothing of the secular realm, nothing. If you start to meditate on that and actually get the power of what that means and then start to claim it and release your faith for it, you'll see angels will work for you differently. Things will turn for you differently, but you got to be interested in that. And you got to, you got to be like, wow, that's, that's for me. I can't make everybody go, wow, that's for me. Some people just stare at me with a blank look, and I know that they're, they're just somewhere else. They're on their Facebook page, even though they're not looking at their screen. If you're, if you're, if you're serious about it, it'll work for you because God's telling me, he's telling, he told me, tell the people, Nothing will be able to withstand them if they'll believe me because they've submitted to that anointing. And I gave you a rhema word for that. That means it'll work differently and more for you than just some Christian that's claiming it in general. They'll get a measure of it. But when God says it to you, it's different. Are you with me? So last week, and this is the only two parts, I'm not continuing beyond today. But last week he said, focus on verse five, the fifth promise. Focus on verse five about no man will be able to withstand you. Then when I was praying, he said this week, he said, focus on verse eight. Finish it off by focusing on verse 8. And so I will focus with you again on verse 8. This book of the law shall not depart out of your mouth, but thou shalt meditate therein day and night. That means all the time. That thou mayest basically obey. Observe to do means obey. That you may obey everything that's written in it. And only then will you have prosperity and have good success. No, it says the book of the law. We're not from a legal perspective, legalistic, but this is all he had was the book of the law. He had Moses' Pentateuch. He had Genesis, Exodus, Leviticus, Numbers, Deuteronomy. He had the five books of the law. He didn't have Joshua. Joshua hadn't been written yet. Yeah. Do you understand? He didn't have the New Testament. He didn't have Isaiah. Isaiah hadn't been born yet. Yes. All he had was the five books of the law. But that was enough. Yeah. We have 66 books. Yeah. He had five. And 30-something of them is of the new covenant, which is better with better promises through the blood of Jesus, not goats and bulls. All he had was lambs and goats and bulls. And we've got 66. He had five. And he took a whole nation and he took giants on five books on a lesser covenant. And here we've got everything and we're twiddling around with cancer and with fear of masks and with... It's ridiculous. Those men are looking at us from heaven and going, what is your problem? Do you know what you've got? Do you know what you've got? You've got the blood. I didn't have the blood. You've got the name. I didn't have the name. You've got a covenant with God where he lives in you. He was just on me. He lives in you. And you're afraid? (laughs) Caleb looked at the giants at 85. 85 Blair 
He didn't have no cane. He didn't have no glaucoma. Oh, dear Jesus, I got my glaucoma. I got my glaucoma. He didn't have no glaucoma. He was bona fide. He didn't have no cane or walking stick or he didn't need Viagra. He didn't need none of that nonsense. He was 85 and he said, I am strong today as I was then. That was 45 years ago. I am as strong today as I was then. God has kept me in strength. Now give me this mountain. And he goes on an uphill into Hebron, which is militarily dangerous because you've got the strong position on the, on the high ground. And he goes uphill against giants that are nine and Goliath size feet tall. And he's 85. And he does it on a lesser covenant with God on him, but not in him. And I think if Caleb showed up at church today, he'd slap everybody silly. He'd say, what is wrong with you people? Look what I did with God on me. And you've got him in you. Look what I did with a lesser covenant and the blood of an animal. And you've got a great covenant with the blood of Jesus. And here you are bowed over in fear and sin and hindrances. And you're afraid to talk to somebody about Jesus lest they get offended with you. To the spirit that, that over, Caleb had a different spirit about him. There was a, a spirit of faith in him. Second Corinthians 4 talks about the spirit of faith. I'm telling you, we've got a better covenant, my brother and sister. Why do you think the Holy Ghost preaches through me this way? Because he's not raising wussies, he's raising warriors. We can't go to the world. I can't go to the Philippines without a strong base of support. Maybe you don't care about revival in this city, but God does. I don't know why he picked me and I didn't ask him to pick me and I still wonder why he picked me. But I was the fourth in the lineup. I wasn't the first. And he picked three other great churches before and they all played a part and had a role. But doctors saw this roof disappear and a mantle come and he said, God's called you, God's been trying to have a, a move in this city for a long time and men keep interrupting it and getting in the way. Don't mess it up, Craig. Stay humble, stay in the word, stay divinely connected. They're basically the same instructions God gave me on September 1st, 2017 were the same instructions that he gave me in the green room on June 28th, 2010 because that was the day the mantle came. They, when I say came, it marked us. It didn't come till December 12th last year, but it, it marked us. Remember, Elijah threw the coat on Elisha and kept on walking. But the anointing didn't work on Elisha until he picked up the mantle in the plain of Jordan. So on June 28, 2010, the mantle was thrown on us, but it didn't operate fully. It was marking us. But we had to go through a season of serving like Elisha did. But on, June, on December 12th, after 40 days of prayer and fasting, it came. Hallelujah. Glory to God. I was so weak that day, obviously not eating for 40 days, but on that last day, he said, don't, don't drink. He didn't tell me that except the last day. And I hadn't drank anything, no water, nothing. And my, my body was already shutting down earlier than that. But it was, I mean, I, I physically, I couldn't, it was in my body. It was shaking. My, I couldn't stop the shaking. And I'm kneeling there at quarter to three in the morning. He said, it's time, son. I mean, I tell you, I don't know. I can't say without crying. He said, it's time, son. I'd been waiting on him in that prayer closet since 12 midnight. He said, it's time, son. Two hours and 45 minutes later, he said, get on your knees. And I was so weak and I was so tired, I couldn't stop shaking. My body was involuntarily shaking because, and I couldn't even kneel upright. I was so weak. And all of a sudden, two angels were beside me. One on my right and one on my left. And the one put his hand on my one shoulder and the other put his hand on my other shoulder. And I could feel their hands come down on my shoulder and all that pain left. All that shaking instantaneously stopped and I felt like I'd just eaten a full meal. The strength came back to me. 
Those angels strengthened Elijah as he was walking 40 days toward the cave. Do you remember? They strengthened him. They strengthened Jesus in the wilderness. Angels have an ability to strengthen you. And that, and that strength came back into me and I was able to sit, stand there. My mind cleared and my body was strong and I was able, as, and I felt that anointing come down on my head. I felt it physically and tangibly. It came down on my head and it went down, 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 down. It took about 15 minutes. And I heard the Holy Ghost say, you've got it now. I've, I've anointed you with the mantle that Dr. Dufresne saw. It's yours. It's taken a long time to prove worthy of it. Long season. It's with us. It's with us. That's why I'll never stop preaching this way. Because that precious mantle is not for us to be carnal. That, that office of the apostle is not for us to do church as normal. It's for us to rise up. It's for us to stop, put our stinking flesh under and do what's right. And show up and bring your supply and pray because God desires there to be a turn in this city. And there's going to be a turn in this city. And I don't exactly know how he's going to do it because he just said, you agree with me. I can't understand how he's going to do a dramatic influx of divine joinings. I don't understand how we're going to get a 5 million, 7 million. It's actually going to be 11 million, but we're going to have to put 5 million down to get it. We only got a million. I don't know how that money is going to come. And I don't know how we're going to find that building. And I don't know how we're going to go through all the red tape with the city and the parking and all the issues that associate even air conditioning units. I don't know how we're going to do it. I don't know how this poultry few of 350 people is going to grow. I don't know. And I don't need to know. Because all he said to me is, agree. So I say every day, I have no idea. And I get nervous sometimes because I can't see it. I don't, my mind can't fathom it. But I just simply say, Lord, you said agree. I agree with you. A dramatic influx of divine joinings is coming. I agree with you. A glory center building is coming. I agree with you. The $5 million is coming. I agree with you. Signs, wonders, and miracles according to the apostle's office of 2 Corinthians 12, 12. It's coming. I, I just agree. I don't understand it, but I agree. I don't feel it, but I agree. I can't see it, but I agree. I agree, I agree, I agree. Because the man in Samaria who said, how is God going to do it? The prophet said, you'll die. And the man who said, okay, I don't understand how today a loaf of bread is $100. Tomorrow a loaf of bread will be five cents. I don't know how that's possible, but I agree. And Job says, agree with God and you shall prosper. Just agree with him. I don't know how this is all going to happen, Reverend Dan. I don't know how this is going to work out. I don't know how you're going to do it. I don't know if they're going to drag you through the street and beat you up. But I just know that I agree and I, you agree and, and, and the Holy Ghost is going to be with you. And those that withstand you, I'm saying it by the Spirit, they should, no man shall be able to withstand you. All the days that they may want to drag you through the trees, but they won't be able to. They won't be able to withstand you. Happy, they won't be able to withstand you. Sandy, they won't be able to withstand you. Popes, they won't be able to withstand you. Deanne, they won't be able to withstand you. Pastor Matthew, they won't be able to withstand you. Pastor, Pre Pastor Precious, they won't be able to withstand you. Mammy, they won't be able to withstand you in Jesus' name. On the Native Indian reserves, they won't be able to withstand us. Power of God will roll through like a mighty train. Oh, it will roll through like a mighty train. Oh my God, it will roll through like a mighty train. I was knocking on the door in a Native Indian reserve. They do a lot of witchcraft up there. And anyway, the lady cracks the door. I said, I'm here to preach the gospel to you. Is anybody sick that I can pray for? And she opened the door a bit more. She said, what? She was an older Native Indian lady. I said, she said, what? I said, is anybody sick in this house? God will set them free. Is any? I was very bold. I just yelled at people right at the beginning. I said, I, wasn't, I just yelled at them. God will heal them if you'll open the door. 
and, and, and she started to close the door. And I heard the Holy Ghost say, put your foot in the door. He's never said that before or since. And I put my foot in the door and she couldn't close the door. She said, get your foot out of my, I said, I will not. And the anointing came on me. And I started to prophesy. I will not. I said, because witchcraft is operating in this house. I said, if you'll turn your heart to God, she'll, he'll heal that person that's sick. She said, how did you know that somebody's sick? I said, because God showed me. Where is that person? There was a girl in the house that was dying. And she was doing witchcraft in there to try to get her healed. Anyway, praise God, walked in, cast that devil out, laid hands, God healed the child. I don't know if the lady got saved or not because she didn't seem like she wanted to get saved. And I'm not going to beg you to get saved. So I just walked off. I'm telling you, there's an anointing that will come on those Indian reserves. Because they're, they're steeped in, religion, in, 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 in false tradition and in worship of ancestors. Do you know they say, you know, there is no such thing as aliens. Do you know that? So all of you alien, alien watchers, you're looking at the alien encounters on the television and you love the third kind movie and all that nonsense garbage crap. Aliens are very real, but they don't exist. Do you know what they are? They're demon spirits manifesting. That's all aliens are. There's the angels and there's demons and there's no little green men with weird looking eyes. There's demons and there's angels and demons can manifest like little green men with little eyes. Do you know what the number one place for alien encounters in the United States is? And I've studied this, and this is by academic research, not just by, you know, woo-woo stick people. Do you know the number one place is Native Indian Reserves? There are more alien encounters on Native Indian Reserves by far, bar none, than any other place in the United States. And you know why? Because Dr. Sumrall always said, because he, he was a missionary, and he said, countries or, or people groups that focus, that have a strong focus on worshiping ancestors and worshiping idols, demons manifest much stronger to them. That's why you see it in the third world. That's why you see it in Africa. That's why you see it in Malaysia. That's why you're going to see it in the Philippines. Now, he said people groups or countries, Native Indian people are a people group within a country. But they focus on worshiping ancestors and they focus on worshiping animals and their totem poles and idols. And anytime you worship the dead, ancestors are the dead. Anytime you pray to the dead, and anytime you worship things that are created beings or created elements, not God who was the creator. Worshiping the dead and worshiping created beings will open the door to demon power like nothing else will. And that is why. So when we go on these native universes, I'm not surprised that there's a lot of manifestations. Because they've opened the door. Don't give me your politically correct nonsense. Well, let's keep intact their religion. Listen, you better renew your mind. Our job as believers is not to keep intact their religion. We can keep intact their way of life. If they want to dance around and if they want to hunt moose and if they want to do their special meat the way they do it, that's fine. Keep your culture. But we're not, that's fine. Culture is fine. But we are not preserving demonic religions. The whole point of the church is to go and to knock those things down and say the light of freedom has come to you. You bow your knee to Jesus and he'll save you. That's the whole point of why we go. It's not to the, we can say, well, we kind of like what you do. No, we like your style of clothes. We like your food. We like your, your, the way you dress. We like the way you dance. We like your language. We like your culture. But your devilish religion will bow to that name of Jesus. I'm telling you something about it. And when Dr. Sumrall, I've seen the video, when he went up into the high places of, of, of he went up into the Java places and Papua New Guinea into the, and the tribes of the headhunters. And he went there. And these are people that are, they'll kill you. 
But he goes up there and he says to the chief, he says, the chief's son was dying. And he says, if I pray and God heals your son, you turn your bow, your knee to Jesus. Well, we don't worship your God. Yes, but your God can't do this. So they bring the witch doctors and they do their woo-woo sticks and nothing changes. And then Dr. Sumrall, he's just so bold. He says, get up in Jesus' name. And he stands up. And the whole tribe get down on their knees and start to worship Dr. Sumrall. Because he's a God. And he says, get up off your knees. I'm not the one to worship. I'm telling you about the one to worship. And they all got born again and started a church in the headhunter tribe. In the northern reaches of Papua New Guinea. Why can't we go and do that? But you see, I'm stuck here trying to get you to show up for church. I'm stuck here. Please, would you tithe? Please, would you come? Please, would you be in the service of the ministry of helps? I'm not called to be here. I'm called to be there. Wake up and help me. The apostle's office drives forward. I'm called to go. And some of you ones are going to come with me whether you like it or not. You better not come unless you can dance like Reverend Greg. I'm serious. I may not be saying it all the perfect way, but I think you understand the spirit of what I'm saying. For 12 years as a baby church, we treated you like a baby. We're in the 13th year now. We're in our bar mitzvah year. We're in our adolescent year. That's why God said, now you can go because they're no longer a baby. But COVID took some of you that were, that were in high school, took you back to grade one. You still want the bottle and you want your little diaper changed. Well, pastor doesn't like me because he never said hi in the hallway. Grow up. That's what you said when we started the church. It shouldn't be said 13 years in. I'm serious. The call calls us for a revival in Toronto. That's where the glory center comes into play. I'm just agreeing, although I have no idea how it's going to happen. But I'm just agreeing. God's going to have to do it. And when it happens, and it will, you will know that I had really hardly anything to do with it. Other than I agreed. And you agreed. And we're not going to be able to take any credit because there's no way that we can take credit for something that's bigger than us. All we said is, Father, we're agreeing. And when you see the Philippine church grow, and it will. And when you see the Caribbean church grow, and it will. And when you see the Nova Scotian church grow, and it will. Don't you give credit to them or to me. You give credit to God because without him and without that anointing, we couldn't do it anyway. Do you understand? But I'm trying to rally the troops. Can you feel that? I'm trying to rally you because you don't tell a soldier that's about to go to the front line, you know, not to pee themselves. They had to do that in boot camp. They had to learn things in boot camp. You're out of boot camp. We're not in boot camp anymore. But some want to retreat back to boot camp to the safety of feelings. Get over your feelings. God is in you. God is in me. He expects you to be with the vision. Run with the vision. Be faithful. Bring a supply. Come with me. Send me. Witness to people. Get ready for the glory center. Some of you say, I'll never go overseas. And that's fine. Maybe you're not called to go like David. Maybe you're called to stay back with the stuff and send. But you have a part. And even if you never leave these shores and you never go overseas with me, you're going to be part of the glory center. So you still got to grow up and believe God with me and agree. Every now and then, God needs this kind of preaching to shake people's tree a little bit. To get those dead leaves to fall to the ground so that fresh growth can come. Hallelujah. We need fresh growth. Start inviting people to church. Start inviting people to church. If not everybody's hungry, but there's people out there that want God, start inviting them to church. Put some pressure on God. Say, if you come, I guarantee you God will heal you. You say in your mind, but I don't know if God will heal. You just don't worry about that. You just bring them. 
Let God show himself strong. Well, Pastor, you, you preach a little bit. Oh, don't worry. No sinners ever complained about my preaching. It's only religious people that have complained about my preaching. No, I'm serious. I've never, not one time in 13 years, I've asked lots of people. Sometimes they introduce me and they're unsaved. And I kind of apologize and I say, I hope I wasn't too aggressive for you today. Not one time have they said, well, yes, you were. Every time I said, wow, I've never heard that before. Wow, this is so different. One lady said, wow, this is otherworldly. Another one said, what was that language you were praying in? I said, that's called tongues. You want the Holy Ghost, you got to get born again first. Well, that was otherworldly. Yeah. I've never had anybody complain. But you know, I have had complain, people that are already Christians. People that invite their Christian friends. I invite your Christian friends, but I'm telling you, they're the only ones that complain. Religious devils, they're the ones that complain. Pharisees and vipers, they're the ones that complain. Hungry hearted people don't complain in preaching like this. Jesus was an aggressive preacher. He was an aggressive preacher. You just listened to Wednesday night. He, well, I read you his sermon. He is picking a fight, buddy. He is picking a fight. In John chapter 8, he's picking a fight. And in the second last verse, he goes for the knockout blow. And before Abraham was, I am. And they pick up the stones to kill him. And he hides in his cloak. And he goes around and he escapes. I mean, Jesus preached and ran. He preached and then he ran. You don't know what Jesus, you haven't read your Bible yet. You read your Bible, you see Jesus wasn't afraid. He didn't back down. He was aggressive. He was bold. He didn't mind a fight. He wanted truth to reign. I don't mind a fight. I'll tell you, you're, you're not tithing, you're sinning. I'll tell you that for a fight because you need truth to reign in your life. Without that, things are going to open up. You don't honor the body, your signal is going to come on you. Simple as that. After all this teaching, if you're stubborn, and you go to the grocery store and you go to the gas station and you touch the pump that's not sanitized and you say, well, I can do that, but I can't come to the house of God because of COVID. You're a hypocrite and a liar. You're a hypocrite and a liar. What you've done is make an excuse for your ungodly, lazy behavior. And you'll go out and have a party here and you'll go and have a fellowship gathering there, but you won't come to the house of God and lift your hands and worship him. It's wrong, Greg. It's just plain out wrong. And, and God is fed up with it. I'm fed up, but I'm telling you, the Holy Ghost is fed up with it. And I wasn't going to say it, but when the anointing is like on me now, I'll say anything. You just, you watch out because anointing doesn't always come this way. When I opened my eyes this morning, I heard the word of the Lord. And he said, sickness is going to come upon some of the people in your church. And I said, God, don't tell me that. Don't tell me that. I don't want people to get sick. He said, because they have dishonored my house. And you have warned, and I have warned through you, and I've warned over and over again. So before they come and ask you to pray, you ask them first how you're treating the body of Christ. Sickness is coming on some people. Premature death is going to come. I'm telling you, I'm not trying to threaten it. I'm not trying to manipulate. But the Bible says it. If you have heard, you are responsible for what you've heard. If you don't know, God will show you mercy. But when you know, and you set your will against him, it's dangerous. Don't give me, don't feed me the COVID garbage about dangerous at church because we might have some visitors. You are more likely to catch it. First of all, you're not going to catch it if you have faith. But if you don't have faith, you're more likely to catch it at the gas station. Because I've never yet once seen them come out with their little spray bottle. Not one time. And if they're <laughs> putting the gas and then you come and you put it in your mouth, guess what? You've got COVID, but that doesn't happen at church. You're not touching anything here that somebody else is touching. You can do your social distancing and your mask and you can not have fellowship and you can leave right away. So don't feed me that garbage. What that is, is laziness run amok. It's people that don't want to honor God. They want to watch, stay home in their pajamas. And there's something, this kind of church can't tolerate people like that. 
I want them to repent and come back, but if they leave, good riddance. Because the anointing is done. I'm telling you, God is fed up with people like that. I didn't preach this strong on that Wednesday night when he said, no more excuses. And I gave you Luke 14 about the man of the holding the banquet. And he said, this one makes an excuse, that one makes an excuse, that one makes an excuse. One is for recreation, one is for relationships, and one is for money and business. Three main reasons people make excuses. That anointing was nice and sweet that day, but it ain't this day. Because God's, God's done it, he's had enough. So I'm moving on. I'm not calling nobody else. I'm not asking nobody else. I don't give a flying rip. You want to come, you come. God will bless you. You don't want to come, don't come. God is going to replace you. Because this vision is going to come to pass whether you help it or not. It is going to come to pass. He is trying to do something in this city. And the only reason he won't wane is if I get in his way and think I'm smarter than him like the other pastors did. Secret sensitive is smarter. This way's better. That way's better. Let's not offend people. Let's not talk about that. No, God just needs somebody that no, don't got no sense. He found me and he said, that boy over there, Jesus, you see that boy over there? He don't got no sense. Why don't we put that man on him? He's just crazy enough to believe it. He's just crazy enough to run everybody off who doesn't believe it. I'm telling you the truth. You hear me? I said, I'm telling you the truth. Hallelujah. I don't know. <laughs> oh my God. Jennifer, stop. I have to get back to the scriptures. Praise God. Amen. I won't be able to get it all out. God knows there might be a part three. <laughs> anyway, this book of the law shall not depart out of your mouth. Did you notice it says out of your mouth and you shall meditate there in day and night. Meditate means of the heart. So what is he saying? The word has to be in your heart and in your mouth. But he said it has to be all the time. Do you read the Bible every day? Do you love the Bible? Because it's what God said. Who cares that he said it through Isaiah or through the book of Mark? God said it. He moved upon men by inspiring them to write words of truth. You should love the word because you love God. Now I'm quoting, you don't have to read it for sake of time. Proverbs 23, 7 says, as a man thinks in his heart. So is he. So your thinking will determine what you are. Yes. Even the secular people like Tony Robbins and all, the, they understand this principle. What you think is what's going to make you, what's going to become. But that God came up with that. In fact, Solomon by the anointing came up with that long before Tony Robbins was ever born. It's a God principle. Now we work with that with Matthew 12, 34. Out of the abundance of the heart, the mouth speaks. So let's put these two things together now. Let's put Proverbs 23, 7 and Matthew 12, 34 together. As a man thinks in his heart and out of the abundance of that heart, he will speak and so is he. As a man thinks in his heart, so is he. Out of the abundance of the heart, the mouth speaks. As a man thinks in his heart and speaks out of his mouth, so is he. So what you think about, you're going to meditate on. And what you meditate on, you're going to say. And what you say, you're going to have. And, and Hebrews, chapter, uh, Hebrews chapter 11 verse 2 says, As God's words framed the world. God framed physical things with his mouth. And it's where God people have the God kind of faith. Mark eleven twenty two, 22. Where God's men and women, where his covenant, his DNA is in us. 1 John 5 says the DNA of God, the seed of God is in you. So God's system is our system. The way God frames worlds is the way we frame worlds. If God created worlds with his words, your world, the way your life looks at right now is a direct result of your mouth. Right. If you don't like something about your life, check your mouth. Yeah. 
But before you check your, your little, because people get legalistic, well, I've got to say all the right things, say all the right things. It's not just about what you say. It's about what you're meditating on, and it's about what you're thinking. So you can meditate on the sickness, but then make your faith confession, and you'll stay sick. Because it's not just the medita- it's not just the saying. The saying has to be impregnated to power from your heart. So you've got to meditate on what you're saying. And in order to meditate, you have to think. And in order to think, you have to read. So you've got to, unless you've memorized the whole Bible, which none of us have, you've got to read the Bible. You've got to think about what it says. You've got to meditate, get it down into your heart and believe what it says. And then you've got to say, believing what it says, and you'll have what it says. Why did God say this to Joshua? Remember last weekend, he said, give them, Joshua prepared himself for the conquest. That's why I called it promises for conquest because he prepared himself and God gave him promises. Now he said, tell the people to prepare themselves for conquest. One of the greatest ways that we need to prepare ourselves, there's five things, two were just statements, two are conditions and one is a promise. But one of the conditions is that you've got to stay close to the word. The word has to be first in your life. The word is more important than Facebook. The word is more important than going to the gym. You don't have to have either or, you can have both, but put the word first. The word is more important than eating. The word is more important than sleeping. The word is more important than calling your little friend. The word is more important than anything. Why? God knew you cannot take this land without faith. It's going to take miracles to get you into this land. And you can't believe me for miracles without my word because my word brings faith. So you've got to go to the source. Meditate, meditate, say, meditate, say, meditate, say. Why? So that faith will be strong. Why do you need faith? Because he's going to ask you to go against Jericho. He's going to ask you to shout. How can shouting bring down a wall that's 28 feet wide? How? Because faith in God causes angels to do miracles. Faith in God causes the giants of Hebron to fall. Faith in God keeps you strong at 85. Everything comes because we are trusting him. We are believing him for his miracle working power. We need it for the glory center. We need it for the international work. It's all about faith. You can't have faith unless it's word, 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 word. That's why he said, get in the word, boy. Meditate, say it, speak it, believe it. Because without that word, you're not going to have faith. Without faith, you can't have miracles. Without miracles, you can't conquest. I'm telling you. I have to do this more than anybody because I'm the one at the helm of the ship. I'm captain pastor. I hope my ship comes in before my dock rots. I looked at that and I said, well, hope didn't get me this ship. Faith got me this ship. (laughs) Praise God. But I'm the captain of this this church and I've got to lead by example. And if anybody has to immerse himself in the word, it's me. And you guys as ministers, you better lead by example. You don't immerse yourself with the word, faith won't be there. Without faith, I can't carry you all the time. You need your own faith to work. You need your own meditation of the word. Because it's going to take faith to get miracles. It's going to take miracles to have conquest. Hallelujah. Praise God. I just went into a house this week that had some haunting and evil spirits in it. I won't get into the whole story, but God did a wonderful thing. Hallelujah. Taught me something about how demons operate when I went in that house, which I didn't know before. They, they were, they, he said that as soon as you pulled in the driveway, those demons knew you were there. 
and they retreated to their beachhead. He said they came into that house through a certain bedroom because witchcraft was operating in that bedroom. And when they entered in, they set up a beachhead just like a military incursion. And then they will advance throughout the house, but if they're threatened, they'll go back to their place of origin and they'll stand to fight you. When I walked in that room of their, of their origin, it was so demonically charged, I could feel it emanating out of the walls. And the Lord said, don't enter that room without applying the blood. And I applied the blood and then he said, now take one step and now speak. And I did. And I started to back down, but it wouldn't. And he said, now go. I went and he said, pray. I did. And then he said, now, son, it's ready. Now walk in that room boldly and cast that thing out. And I walked in and then I applied the blood and then I applied the oil. Because according to Leviticus 14, you do both if the Lord tells you to. And I learned something about how demons operate, about their strategies. I'm not making this stuff up. This is real stuff. I'm not going in with my ghostometer. And my woo-woo stick, trying to be fascinated with darkness. Those people get demon-possessed that do that. We're not going in to be fascinated. We're going in to remove it. Do you understand? This is, this is a bold gospel we have, Jenny. I could hold you here with story after story after story on the mission field. And there'll be more stories to come because I'm, I'm fixing to go. And come, you won't even know I'm gone half the time because I'll be back on Sunday. But I'm fixing to go because the call goes forth. And I need to know that my sheep hear my voice. Jesus' voice as the chief shepherd, my voice as the under shepherd. And they're not making a bunch of ridiculous excuses. That they're giving and they're attending and they're praying and they're evangelizing and they're serving. Because this is what it's going to take to get the glory in Toronto. And this is what it's going to take to get these works planted overseas. Without meditating, Jenny, strongly, faith can't come. Without faith, we cannot overtake the power of darkness. Why do you think the devils listen to me? You know, they never used to listen to me. I'd go in the mission field and I'd say, come out! And they'd just look at me. I know one girl, I was so frustrated because it wouldn't come out. I started to, you know, kind of shake her aggressively. And I heard the Holy Ghost say, what are you doing? I said, I'm mad. He said, but you don't shake the girl because you're mad at the devil. That was in India. So I repented and I said, Lord, I'm sorry, but it won't listen to me. So I think if I shake her, it will listen to me because it doesn't listen to you because you shake the girl. He said, listen to you because you believe and you don't believe. So why don't you stop casting out devils till you start believing? And I never did it again for a long time, but I started believing. Now they obey me <laughs> because I believe. It's not because I'm special. It's not because I'm smart. It's because I meditate on the word until I believe. And I don't quit until I believe. And when I say I believe, I believe I put my life blood on it. I believe. Amen. Praise God. I want you to believe with me. Yes, Heavenly Father, today was a little bit different. I didn't expect it, didn't plan it, didn't anticipate it. But Lord, that anointing comes from you. It's not my emotions because Lord, you know me. They don't know me maybe, but I know me. I just want to be a nice, sweet teacher of the Bible most of the time. I don't want to be yelling at people and screaming about Caleb, but Father, that anointing is that, is that conquest uh, Joshua kind of, David Hogan kind of, Bester Sumrall break the devil's neck open kind of anointing. And Lord, sometimes we need that in the local church, not just on the mission field, because the, the local church needs to be shaken a little bit. They need to be ruffled a little bit. You want the dead leaves to fall to the wayside and new growth, spirituality and hunger to come. Father, let those that need to repent, repent. Whether they're watching or whether they're here live, let them repent if they're not bringing the supply that they need. Let us guard our hearts so that sickness doesn't enter. I'm not saying it manipulatively. Your word tells us for this cause, many are weak, sickly, and many die prematurely. 
Lord, we've got to honor the body of Christ. We've got to love each other. If there's aught, listen to me, my brother and sister, with your eyes closed and your heads bowed. If there's aught in your heart toward anybody in this church, you better repent. It's not about whose fault it is, and it's not about you going and, and dictating to them and lecturing them and arguing with them. You just let it go right now, and you repent for your part. And if you don't have a part and you say, I'm truly blameless, but they hurt you, let it go and just forgive them. Don't hold aught in your heart. That is mistreating the body of Christ. You will open the door to weakness in your life. If there's any vestige, any slight whisper of racism in your heart, you strike that out as though it were the bubonic plague. If you don't like somebody because of the color of their skin, you repent before God for your miserable, ungodly behavior. There is no room in the kingdom for racism. And you repent of that if you... A month ago, God showed me a couple in the church when I was praying. I didn't know it before, but I knew it by the word of knowledge. And God said to me in that prayer closet, he said, that couple, and he showed me their faces. He said, that couple have a root of racism in their heart. It freaked me out. You'd never guess. And I've never said a word other than to my wife who that couple is. And I said, Lord, what do you want me to do? He said, pray for them, son. Because I can't use them the way I want to use them when they have aught in their heart because of the color of their brother's skin. So we've been praying that they would uproot that foul demonic root of racism out of their hearts. You, if you have that, repent of it right now. If you think you're better than somebody because you're a different color of their skin than theirs, you repent of that right now. If you think you're better because you're richer than them, you repent of that right now. If you've got snobby tendencies, well, you think you're better than everybody else, you repent of that right now. That is not, that is mistreating the body of Christ. If you've made fun of people in our church that may be a little bit simpler or a little bit weaker or maybe don't smell as good or maybe are not your personality type and you've made fun of them and mocked them, you repent of that right now. We walk in love. We protect each other. We're a family. We don't all have to be best friends, but we love each other. And we don't talk about each other behind our backs. And we don't comment about how people dressed or can you believe what they look like? They look so disgusting. That, that is so carnal. That's such carnal behavior. Father, we repent of that. If any one of these things or anything else that Holy Ghost, you're dealing with them privately about right now. Close your eyes and bow your heads. Don't look at me. Look at your heart right now. Father, if there's anything that they need to make right in your sight about the body of Christ and about how they treat the body of Christ, whether their love walk, whether they're giving and they're tithing, whether they're serving in ministry of helps or the lack thereof, whether their evangelism, whether their prayer life or their attendance in the local church. If there's anything, Father, they need to make an adjustment, let them make it right now. They don't have to grovel and beg they just have to quickly confess it under their breath and you will hear and you will forgive with your mighty power you'll wash their sins away whiter than snow it'll be gone and you'll give them strength you'll give them strength to now make it right and to change their behavior father we want to treat each other and you and your body right we want strength in our life health in our life and longevity in our life we want the faith of the word of God to burn within us like a like the fire of a south thousand suns we want faith to burn for this power that we need for conquest so our businesses flourish so our jobs flourish so our health flourishes so our children flourish so our marriage flourishes so that the glory center comes to pass and flourishes so that revival in the city comes so that revival on the shores of foreign lands comes 
so that the international flag works are strong. Father, it's gonna take great faith for this. We've got to love your word more than anything else. We've gotta love spending time with you in prayer more than anything else. We've gotta get back to the simple basics of the gospel so that we can believe you for what this church is called to do and what they individually are called to do. And we give you praise for it and we give you honor. In the mighty name of Jesus, in the mighty name of Jesus, amen and amen. Hallelujah. Well, we love you. God loves you. We got great days ahead. Hallelujah.